Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast on spiritual direction and spiritual companionship. I'm Matt Whitney. Thank you for listening. Learn more about our work and the work of spiritual direction and spiritual companionship on our website, sdicompanions.org. All right, well, why don't we begin? Uh, It's good to be with you all here. My name is Matt. I am the creative director for SDI, and I am here with Harry Pickens, uh, my dear friend and facilitator for our our upcoming webinar, Awakening Joy, uh, Cultivating Spiritual Presence for for those that we companion. And Harry, uh, I don't know that people know this. So you, we had you present in the trauma course uh, that we recently did this past winter. Uh, but you have background with SDI. You uh, were at the Louisville conference several years ago. So if you're an SDI member of the past several years uh, and you remember the most amazing piano player you've ever seen, uh, this is Harry. <laughs> Here he is. Um, Harry, uh, what have you been up to since since that conference? Man, it's so, it's so wonderful to be here with you on the SDI. So what I've been up to in the conference, there's the personal, the professional. The personal has been through a significant dark night transition, transformation. I took care of my mom through her fading years with dementia as a solo family caregiver. And that really, that really kind of carved out a place in my soul. But professionally, I train therapists and counselors and so forth in trauma reduction techniques. I play the piano. I work with young people who are artists to help them cultivate their artistic spirit and so forth. So those are the things I've been up to over these last few years. And I also recently recovered, I'm recently recovering from long COVID. So that's just another element of of life's unpredictability that I'm managing as well. Yeah, and so thank you for that and how, you know, it's good to have you here and it's good to have you helping us understand how to cultivate joy, that it's not, an automatic thing. It's not a necessarily, well, I think well, you can get into the cultivation part of it, but just to hear that, you know, you have gone through some, uh, some dark night, uh, your journey has, has had suffering in it. And, uh, so these, this work that you do, you are, you are the, the greatest musician I've ever seen, but also you are a spiritual companion, you are a spiritual healer, and, and this is your work and your calling. Uh, and, and I know that you are as much a, a practitioner of, of these exercises as you are a teacher of them. So we're all just very, very happy to have you and, uh, and very excited to, uh, to get to experience what you have to, to share with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, every, everything I share, there were a few years ago, I'm 63 now, and a few years ago I had, I made this commitment that I would no longer teach anything that I didn't know in my embodied experience. You know, and so when we talk about awakening joy or awakening presence or awakening elevated states of being, I've learned through my own experience how difficult that can be and how essential it can be. So I'm going to share some slides with you as we dive. We're going to spend about 20, 25 minutes exploring some fundamental principles. Then we'll open some time for Q&A. So thank you for being here and welcome. Let's dive in. Um, the, The name of the workshop that's coming up is Awakening Joy. And I chose that intentionally 
because we live in difficult times. We are living in times where there is one chaotic catastrophe crisis after another, whether it's ecological, economical, existential. We, this is a tough time to be a human being. I think you'd agree with that. And so in some ways, the most natural way to respond to what's happening in the world is to capitulate into despair or to get caught up in anger and rage. But there is another way, and that's what we're gonna explore. So today's a preview of our deeper exploration. So I welcome you to this time. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule and bringing, giving me, sharing with me and Matt and SDI the greatest gift that any of us have, which is our time. I promise to do the best I can to make this time really valuable for you. So you walk away, not just to do some new insights, but with some practices and tools that you can begin to use and forge into your own experience that will make you better for the people you serve. So I think you have access to chat. What inspired you to join us today? Just pop in the chat, just two or three words as to why in the world did you decide to spend your time with Matt and myself? So if you wouldn't mind sharing that, if we can do that in this webinar format, why are you here? What inspired you to show up? I need some joy. All right, Sue, thank you for that. Why are you here? Now, even though this is a webinar, I need to hear from you. And some of you are putting in the Q&A, but also in the chat if you can. Like, why are you here? I want to actively cultivate joy because I provide pastoral care for those in elder years. Beautiful. Why are you here? Just, just chat. Why are you here? Pop that in the chat. Sorry, okay. the chat's disabled. I'm looking into it and it, we may not have it, but the Q&A is open and Harry can see uh, in the Q&A. So okay, I'll get it. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry about that. Oh, wonderful. So yeah, pop in the, in the chat, the, the, the Q&A. I want more joy, healing journey after, after retirement, curiosity, trauma of being a caregiver. Tracy, I, I, I relate to you there. I took care of mom for eight years. And the last two or three years as the dementia progressed were very, very difficult. I love joy, <laughs> me too. All right, beautiful, beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. Take a look at this slide. These are words that express elevated states of being, buoyancy, kindness, wonder, delight, creativity, harmony, luminosity, peace, awe, serenity, enthusiasm, presence. Let yourself take those words in, take the essence of those experiences in just for a moment. You see fun in the middle of that. And just breathe them in just for a moment. Give yourself permission in this moment to breathe in your experience of these states, these words. And recognize that opening to this is not spiritual bypass, it's not denial. It's simply choosing to open your awareness to experience more of that which uplifts you, which can become a powerful fuel that can support you through the difficult times. So why should we cultivate elevated states of being? What purpose do they serve you and your directees? We'll dive into this in much more detail in the course. 
But I want to talk very briefly about why joy or other elevated states, why us and why now. One of the things we're learning in the emerging science of neuroplasticity and applied neuroscience is that when we human beings can ground ourselves in a state of present moment awareness, present moment compassion, present moment expansion, we become more resourceful, we can access our creativity better, we become more resilient, we can bounce back from difficult circumstances, and we become more radiant. That is, people have an experience of upliftment just in our presence. This doesn't come overnight, but those are practical benefits of cultivating these states. Why us, those of us who are directing, supporting, counseling others, have a remarkable opportunity and responsibility that that person who is sitting across from us or on Zoom or in the, in the, in the room across from us, that person is coming to us, not only for what we know, which might be vast and encyclopedic, but for who we are and who they become when they're in our presence. So our presence, we know from interpersonal neurobiology, is contagious. You've walked into a room and there's a group of people in the room who are angry and you feel the anger. Or you walk into a room and there's a group of people who are in grief and mourning and you feel that. Or you walk into a room and a group of people are in joy and you feel that as well. Well, all of us are transmitters and radiators of our predominant state of being. And so if we can cultivate a more expansive, elevated state, then those who are around us will begin to catch it. Why now? We are living in, I believe, the most difficult, challenging, tumultuous times in the history of humanity. Christopher Fry wrote a great poem, and there's two lines, and I won't go to the whole thing right now, but he says, thank God our time is now. When wrong comes up to meet us everywhere, never to leave us till we take the longest strides of soul folk ever took. Now is the time not to capitulate into despair or get lost in anger and rage, because those emotions, no matter how powerful they are, do not serve us long term. Rage and anger can get us into action, but we can't use that fuel to sustain us. The fuel of sadness and despair does not sustain us. Only the fuel of joy, presence, connection, compassion, awe, wonder, those fuels can sustain us through the most difficult times. So I see this cultivation of those qualities of being as the single most practical thing that any of us can do who wants to serve others. And now is the time. You probably heard this joke. Jack Benny originated way before I was born. But he said, okay, there's this kid with a violin case and they're in New York City, they're lost. And they say, excuse me, sir, how do I get to Carnegie Hall? And they ask this old guy, you know, who's kind of old and wise or whatever. And he turns to them and he says the words, you probably heard this, practice, practice, practice. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? You don't go down that street, you practice. You cultivate the capacity to be worthy of standing on the stage and the Carnegie Hall. I'm starting this webinar with that communication. So I'm gonna share with you a principle that may seem radical at first. I believe this is the single greatest discovery of our time. And once you understand it, once you grasp it, everything will change. Here's a little example of this discovery. 
hold on just a moment. I think I, uh, let's see, did I lose my screen or? Okay, it's, it's, it's there, good. So what you're seeing now is a time-lapse photograph of neural growth. You're seeing 150 hours condensed into a few seconds. But what you're seeing here is actual dendrites and axons growing and connecting with other nerve cells. What you're seeing now happens every time you learn something new. You have a new insight. You develop a new skill. When you learn or grow or cultivate a new skill or way of being, you are initiating a physiological transformation in your own neurology. You are literally translating your thought, your idea into a thing or neural circuitry. And this is happening every time you learn. Let me go back to my other slide, because I lost it for just a second. What this means in a practical sense is that we are always sculpting and molding our neurology. We now know from research that what scopes and molds our neurology is our perception and experience. And what that means is that through attention, intention, imagination, and focus, we can begin to transform those neural circuits that habituate our responses. So what that means, today's thoughts build tomorrow's brain, is you can, through your effort, just like the violinist practices to get to Carney Hall, you can practice with your imagination to cultivate new circuits in your neurology that then allow you to become a virtuoso of being, where you choose from the inner repertoire of states of being. I need more joy now. I need more patience. I need more presence. I need more persistence. I need more awe. And you can activate those states almost on demand. Radical. Here's the idea. We reshape, reorganize, and re-sculpt our neurology through the activity of our attention, intention, and imagination. Now, we'll dive into this much more deeply with references and more videos and everything in the course. But at this point, simply understand that what this means is that you are not stuck with the way of being that you have now. You are not stuck with a percep percep perception that keeps you in a state that doesn't serve you. You can reshape that and learn to cultivate qualities of joy and expansion. Think about that for a moment. What difference would that make for you if you knew that you could cultivate with practice and time joy almost on demand? How would that change your experience for yourself and your directees? Reflect on that just for a moment. Pop in the chat, just how would that change your experience if you could, knew that you could cultivate expanded states of awareness, joy, presence, peace, wonder, with practice, just like you learn to play scales, or you learn karate kicks, or you learn a new recipe, or you learn a new language. What difference would that make for you? Yeah. 
less stuckness, hope, more peaceful, exactly. Radical, revolutionary. I learned all this stuff in the crucible of suffering, which seems to be the way that many, some of our greatest lessons uh, happen. I used to think there was a way, a way to bypass all that. Now I know, whatever. But I, the first crucible I learned this in was as a musician, I experienced stage fright that was so debilitating that I would stop sleeping one week before a performance. I'm 19 years old and I don't sleep for a week. Four days before a performance, I would throw up. I couldn't keep any food down. One or two days before a performance, my heart, I'd get tachycardia 140, 150 beats a minute. Now I wanted to be a professional musician. I wanted to be a jazz pianist and I wanted to tour and do concerts and so forth. But I realized with that kind of stage fright issue, I'd be dead in six months. You know, you don't eat, you don't sleep. It doesn't work out so well. So the thing I wanted the most was blocked by this incredible adversity. It took me several years to transform stage fright into true performance confidence. And in the process, I studied psychology and neuroscience and hypnosis and lots and lots of different tools. But there were three things that I learned ultimately that I didn't know then what we now know about the brain, but what I was doing in these three things. I learned how to activate my parasympathetic rest, restore, renew response. I learned how to get out of fight, flight, freeze. In other words, to relax deeply. I learned how to consciously and deliberately work with the library of memory so I could activate consciously memories of good, flowing, effective performance. And thirdly, I vividly imagine who I wanted to be. We'll dive into these in much more detail now, but understand these are the three principles. Number one, parasympathetic activation, get out of sympathetic fight, flight, freeze, get into rest, restore, renew. Number two, consciously cultivate your imagination, your memory, so you call from the repertoire of your own memory those moments of joy, expansion, presence, et cetera. And number three, cultivate an internal imaginal template of the person you want to be with those states fully present in your being, right? That's the essence. The good news of all this is you can learn, no matter how old you are or what you've been through, because I could, I, could, I could give you a recitation of my own experiences of trauma and so forth, and what I now know is I can find a way to number one, heal that, and number two, cultivate a new way of being. You can learn to orchestrate, to coordinate your states of being so that you can more and more and more find your psychoenergetic spiritual self filled with compassion, loving kindness, presence, and joy. No matter what you've been through, no matter how you might have suffered in the past, it is possible to cultivate capacity to experience these states with greater consistency than you may have ever imagined. A couple of the other crucibles that taught me in an embodied way about these tools were I was ill for 10 years. I weighed 40 pounds less than I do now. I had traumatic brain injury. 
mold poisoning. And it took me 10 years to recover. I could show you a picture of me. I'll show it in the, in the, uh, the, the course, but you wouldn't recognize who I was. That's when I was 40. And then three years after I recovered from that, my aunt passes away. I take my mom in. I become a caregiver for eight years. And I cared for my mom through a very slow and painful and difficult decline with dementia. So in both those cases, both in my physical illness, first of all, stage fright with music, number two, physical illness, and number three, caregiving, I got to practice cultivating the states of being that could allow me to endure all of those adversities and come out on the other side more joyful, more present, more compassionate. So that's the promise and possibility. There were unexpected benefits of this discovery. And the most significant one was recognizing now when I, I just went through long COVID, I had six months of horrible, horrible physical difficulty. But what I discovered as a result of this work with my own neurology, that in the most difficult moments, I could find a reservoir of presence that could support me. You might call this spiritual presence, you might call it psycho-emotional, energetic presence, but I found that there was a way that in the darkest moments, there was something I could hold and count on and work with and cultivate. Today, I have three explorations, just a taste to help you, number one, activate a deeper sense of relaxed present moment awareness. That's the first practice. Secondly, mine the gold of personal experience so you can consciously begin to cultivate more elevated states of being. And number three, begin to habituate those states through a simple practice. And then we'll take time for Q&A and conversation towards the end of our time. Um, so take a moment and just be with what I've shared and share in the chat what has landed most powerfully with you thus far of the various stories I've told, the concept, the idea, the discovery. What's resonant with you thus far? Just pop that in the chat, if you would. The chat, yeah. I think, oh, the chat is open now, so yeah. What's resonant? What's most resonant with you thus far? It's very strange for me to let's just to talk to a computer screen and not see you, so you're giving me some feedback, and I know that there's actually human beings out there. So yeah, what, what, what's resonating thus far? Choose, yes, yes, Diana, absolutely. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. I remember around September 11, 2001, you folks remember that, and the Iraq war and all the craziness was happening. I remember talking to a guy named Peter Block, brilliant, brilliant um, um, person. And I said, what is giving you joy? Give me, what is giving you hope in these times? And he said something that I will never, ever forget that changed my life forever. He said, I believe hope is a choice. And that empowered me around choicefulness. And it rec helped me recognize that I had some agency. So I want to address um, this beautiful comment by Marianne before we go on, because it's really critical. Would it be less authentic to the pain and sorrow struggling with the both end? Yeah, okay, good. So now, and I won't, I'm not gonna tell you my story right now, but I have experienced my share of pain and sorrow 
and physically and financially and relationally and whatever. And I am well acquainted with grief, okay? What I've discovered is there is, because most of our psychological and spiritual practices focus very much on suffering and the need to be with the suffering, be present in the suffering, experience the suffering, et cetera, be with another in their suffering, that's all important. But I remember reading in a book by um, Mato Ricard, who is a neuroscientist and Buddhist uh, practitioner. His book is on altruism. And there's a chapter in that book on brain research and compassion. And what he discovered in the brain research is he took, you took monks who've been practicing for 30, been meditating for 30, 40 years. And you exposed them to pictures of people who were suffering horrifically. And he had the monks, he said, okay, I want you to experience empathy, to open your heart to the suffering. And they did, and they measured their brains and they noticed what happened to their brain is the same parts of their brain activated as activated in the people they were witnessing. If somebody was experiencing grief or sorrow or whatever, or terror, those parts of their brain would activate. But then the researchers said, now experience compassion. What happened was remarkable because as the monks who've been meditating for 30 years focused on compassion, they found that those parts of the brain that reflected suffering were still activated, but there was a wider activation happening, which almost symbolically encapsulated the suffering and held it in a place of presence and love and hmm, serenity. So I believe, and I appreciate your, we're gonna talk about this a lot about the whole notion of spiritual bypass and avoiding. We are not denying in any way, shape, or form any experience of suffering. What we're talking about is helping you cultivate an inner fuel source where you are sourced. I mean, right now I'm talking to you and I am filled with number one, appreciation for being here with you. Number two, compassion for those of you who are here. Number three, awe and wonder at the miracle of life. Number four, a baseline of joy and exuberance. And this does not negate the fact that I moved last week to a new city with my wife and we drove all of those hours and packed boxes and all those things. And I have been experiencing myself sleep insomnia disruptions for the last three or four years, where if I get a seven nights of seven hours nights of seven hours of sleep a night, it's like hallelujah time, right? I'm dealing with my own challenges and adversities at this moment. I'm completely aware of the political and economic and existential situation in the world and how it's burning in many ways. And they, they're literally burning in Austin, Texas right now with the heat waves and everything. And at the same time, in the midst of all of that, in the presence of all of that, I've cultivated a reservoir of fuel within me that allows me to be with the world and all of its chaos from a grounded place of present moment awareness, compassion, awe, and wonder, and joy. It doesn't mean I don't cry. I cried yesterday. It doesn't mean I don't get mad. I got mad yesterday. It doesn't mean I don't suffer but it means that there's a wider, more expensive fuel source. Tell me if that helps, all right? Give, chat, give me some feedback in the chat if that, if that helps clarify, Marianne, that understanding. Because it's very, very important. 
that we're not, we're not, you look, think, look at all the colors of the rainbow. We're not saying, okay, yellow doesn't exist or blue doesn't exist or anything. We're saying all those colors are valid. And what colors do I choose to use as my own intrapersonal and interpersonal fuel source? That's, that's the practice. And now the other thing, Marianne, that's true about this is this is not a quick fix. This is not a, okay, you do these packs, you go to this webinar and everything's done. This is just like, this is why I use music as, an, as a model. Or if any of you crochet, or my, my grandmother did filet crochet. I have this beautiful, massive crochet of the Last Supper that's incredibly beautiful. Now, I know she didn't learn how to do that in a day. It took months and years of dedicated practice of intricacy to do that. You look at any, any, any skill on a high level, the higher level of mastery, the more effortless it appears, but the more effort it conceals. So what I'm inviting you to experience is to open to the possibility of a set of practices that over time, over days, weeks, months, and years will allow you to cultivate the soil of your being so that soil becomes more fertile, more fecund, more rich, more radiant. So everyone who comes into your presence can experience that. That's what we're about. No quick fix, no spiritual bypass, no ignoring suffering, no denial, none of that. But, and along with that, how may I cultivate a state of awe and wonder so that even when the world is burning, I, when I, that break the story about the, the monk having the strawberry, he's, 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 he's hanging, he's hanging off the cliff, you know, with, with one hand on the cliff and he has the strawberry and he tastes the strawberry and he savors it, knowing that his last moment is now, but he's not capitulated to the fear. He, in that moment says, oh my God, I'm still alive. And the strawberry is delicious. That's what we're talking. About. I hope that makes sense. I'm going on a rant, but I hope that makes sense because this, this is perhaps the most important understanding around this idea of awakening expanded states. We are not denying anything. We're not replacing things. We're not saying, okay, well, now I'm happy all the time, but we're not, we're not getting into that crazy new age-ish, you know, superficial, happy face, ugh, thing that, that so much of American culture is possessed with. No, we're talking about using, accessing these capacities as a fuel source that makes us more powerful, more loving, more creative, more present, more compassionate, better for everybody, for ourselves, for our families, for our cat, for our dog, for our directees, for the world. All right, let's do some stuff. So first, parasympathetic, parasympathetic, parasympathetic reset. I'm going to show you a very simple way to begin to reset your nervous system. So you get out of fight, flight, freeze, and you get into a relaxed state of present moment awareness. And the first step is super simple. I invite you to yawn. Just yawn very mindfully. Oh, and notice as you yawn, oh, sigh if you like. And we're gonna combine that yawn with two more things. I invite you to yawn and then stretch. Just stretch your arms to whatever degree is comfortable for you. Just yawn and stretch. Do that a couple of times. 
And now close the stretch with soothing touch. You can touch your head, your cheeks, and touch your shoulders. Give yourself a shoulder rub. You can rub your arms, rub your belly. I like to rub my hands down the front of my thighs, sometimes all the way down to the front of the calves to the feet. We're going to yawn. We're going to do this a few times. Yawn. And stretch, stretch, stretch. Close the stretch with soothing touch. And as you close the stretch with touch, imagine that your hands are conduits of caring. So you're very gently stroking or touching yourself as though you were being touched by someone who really loved you and it was totally safe and comforting. And if it's not comfortable to touch your arms or some, it's just even, even your knees or just rub your hands together. Okay. I do that, it's more yawn. Oh. As you yawn, just notice what it feels like to yawn and stretch. Close that stretch with soothing, comforting touch. Like touching, stroking the cheeks, that feels good. And I invite you now to rest your hands and gently close your eyes, if that's comfortable, or focus downward. And simply notice your breath. Notice the flow of breath in and out. And as you become aware of breath flowing in and out, as thoughts come, just let them go. And as you gently rest in each breath, you will notice that past and future begin to dissolve. Yesterday and tomorrow melt into today. And all you are is here and now. And if you like, you can yawn again. Stretch, soothe a bit. And just continue to return to the breath. Now I invite you to gently open your eyes, look around, and notice how you feel. And just pop in the chat, what do you notice? What do you notice? Here, calm, relaxed. Yeah, and then you, you, fake, you fake it till you make it, Matt, that's right. So yawn, stretch, soothe, breath. Those four, yeah, you did have a good nap in it. So, so here's what happens. And I'll dive into the science in this course, in the course. But yawning regulates, number one, it's a neuro, neurological temperature relator. It, it regulates, it cools you down or warms you up, depending on what, you, what your brain needs. But yawning, I learned this from a guy named Mark Wallman. Yawning also resets your brain networks. It brings, it lowers activity in the default motor imagination network. That's where worry and regret reside, okay? Those thoughts that never stop. It increases activity in the salience network, which brings you the sense of being in your body present in the moment. It also increases activity in the executive network, allowing you to focus more clearly. So just yawning alone increases focus, increases presence, and re reduces worry. Isn't that amazing? It's not just about being sleepy, it's about actually re-regulating your brain. Stretching, of course, brings you in touch with your physical being, okay? When you stretch and you feel the stretch, you're in your body, you're not in your head. And soothing touch does several things. Number one, it increases vagal tone. 
it brings you more into parasympathetic, sympathetic activation. It also, you tend to produce more theta and delta brain waves as a result of soothing touch. So in yawning, stretching, and soothing, and then bringing your awareness to the breath, you're initiating physiological responses that allow you to relax and to be more present in the moment. Powerful. Yeah, yawn as much as you want. Nobody can see you, doesn't matter. Okay. Second practice is very simple. You'll need a piece of paper for this if you can get something to write on. And this is very, very simple. And again, we're just getting the, we're, I'm just giving you a taste of the practices, but you'll get enough of a taste so you can know that you want the rest of the meal. So in the center of the page, write the word joy and draw a circle around it. So write the word joy in the center of the page and draw a circle around that. And then on the page, I'm gonna invite you as you yawn and stretch in a very relaxed state, anywhere on the page, just write. You can draw branches from the circle like a map or you can just randomly on the page. I'd like you to write down memories, people, songs, scenes, anything that evokes for you a sense of joy. Could be a color, could be the memory of, I was in Hawaii a few months ago and seeing the, oh, breathing that air and seeing the ocean, or it could be like in this picture, could be your grandbaby, could be a friend, a spouse, could be a TV show that made you laugh. But just for a moment, just like 60 seconds, just free associate, write down any and everything that evokes for you an experience of joy. I'll be quiet as you do that. Include different or consider different senses. It might be the smell of freshly baked banana bread, or it might be the sound of a child's laugh or your favorite music. Could be a memory from yesterday or 30 years ago. Any and everything that evokes for you the energy of joy. That's good. Now pause this for a moment. Put one hand on your heart, and then with your other hand, just point to one element of, of, what's, of what you've written. And just imagine you could breathe that in. You could breathe that memory. You could breathe in that emotion, that feeling, that scene. So you're breathing it into your heart. Savor it just for a moment. Now choose another. Put your hand on that, touch that, that, that whatever you wrote. And just imagine you could breathe it into your heart. 
that's good. And pause. What do you notice just from that tiny, tiny cultivation of simply bringing your attention and intention to the experience of joy and taking just a moment to breathe in? Tell me in the chat, what'd you notice? Again, this is just the very, very beginning of this practice, but a smile, good. Starting to smile, yeah. You're starting to recognize that what you're doing is you're, you're, you're shifting the focus of your awareness and you're beginning to tune in, quite literally tuning your body, mind, and being to the resonance of joy. If you think about some of the classic mystical practices, you know, Lectio Divina, for example, where you're meditating on a passage or a scene from scripture or whatever, what are you doing? You're attempting to tune in to the resonance of that sacred word. We're doing the same thing because you have sacred word all in your body and your experience. Every moment of awe and wonder and joy and appreciation is the sacred word inside your, your, your physiology that we're simply awakening. So there's a lot more practical way, we can go much, much, we'll go much deeper with this, but this is the idea. You're simply shifting the searchlight of your attention to focus on your own unique experience of one, this is one state of joy. And can you imagine what would happen if you did this? We did this for two minutes, but if you did this for 10 minutes every day for 30 days or 60 days or 90 days or a year, how much you would be able to cultivate more of that experience simply by activating it in your awareness. So much more to talk about, but that's a, a glimpse. So finally, one more practice. I call this sensorialization, not visualization. And I invite you to yawn and stretch. Closing that stretch with soothing, comforting touch. And as your hands come to a rest, allow your eyes to close. Or you can simply focus your eyes downward, but if closing is not comfortable, that's fine. I'd like you to imagine that you're in a very, very safe and lovely theater, like a movie theater of your imagination. And in just a moment, you're going to see and experience on that screen a trailer a preview of coming attractions starring a version of you that you might not have met yet. Because the version of you you're about to see on the screen is a version of you at your current age who has fully awakened the experience of joy. Whereby this version of you breathes and walks and lives in a state of joyful presence. Doesn't mean you don't cry, doesn't mean you don't laugh, doesn't mean you don't grieve, doesn't mean you don't get angry. But underneath all of that, there is this gratitude and wonder and joy at the very miracle of existence. I'm gonna invite you now to begin this movie. Notice where you are as the movie begins, this scene. What are you wearing? What's the look in your eye? How does this version of you move? How do they interact with others? What do you notice? 
How are they? Just notice this. Make it real and vivid. See yourself on the screen. Expressing, experiencing, awakening the joy that you are. That's good. Now in your imagination, step into the movie. So you see through your own eyes, see through this version of you. You feel in your own body, this version of you, this new level of awakening to joy. What's it feel like? What are you doing? What do you notice? Now step out of the movie so you see it on the screen again, and this time you notice even more detail. As you observe this version of you, you notice how they interact with others, how they interact with themselves, how they see and sense the world. Just notice. And once again, step into the movie. See through your own eyes, feel in your own body this way of being that simply opens to the experience of joy without dismissing, discarding, denying anything. But sensing this joy as the ground of your being, more of the ground of your being. Beautiful. Now I invite you very gently and gradually open your eyes, yawn and stretch, allowing the energy and the resonance of this experience of joy to live in you more fully. Look around the room. What do you see? What do you notice? How do you feel? Share in the chat. What do you notice from this simple practice? Happy child, what do you notice? Share that in the chat, what are you aware of? <clears throat> yeah, reconnect with my true self, <clears throat> rooted, spacious. You notice we're not talking about giddy happy, we're not talking about pretending, we're not talking about that kind of fake happiness that you can see on the face of your client who's trying to push away their despair. It's a different experience altogether because there, there's expansiveness and there's groundedness and there's presence. Deborah, you're right. It's been inside you all along. That, that's the whole point. That's why we call it awakening, not creating, because we're simply awakening capacities and qualities that are innate to who we are. We just haven't had the opportunity to cultivate them. And here, you'll hear me say this a thousand times when you take the course, practice makes permanent. The glimpse you've had today will not habituate on its own. It will not consolidate into your neurology on its own, but it must be cultivated. And you cultivate through practice. We're gonna be talking about how to do that in practices and how to support one another in that in the course. But this is just the, a seed of this.
I'm going to bring this section to a close with this wonderful quote, which also parallels many, many quotes in different spiritual traditions. But Earl Nightingale, who was a wonderful uh, author uh, and speaker in the 50s and 60s, 70s, had this, he called this the strangest secret in the world. And I think he's right. Now we know it's not only, it's, it's a neurobiological fact as well, but we become what we think about most of the time. Where we place our attention, our intention, our imagination, our energy tends to transform itself into our neurology and physiology. So just take a moment, reflect <clears throat> in the chat, most powerful idea. Share that in the chat with me. Then we're going to do a few minutes of Q&A. But what's been the most, the single most powerful insight, idea, experience, discovery for you in our session? Yawning, yeah. It's already there, yeah. You can learn, oh my God, yes, you can learn joy. Yeah, it's not this kind of esoteric thing that only some people are born with or whatever. No, practice, 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 states of being. We cultivate states of being the same way we learn to practice skills on the piano. It's the same. Yes, and we do radiate it. And that's the thing, we can't, our state of being never lies. We can't pretend, right? Yeah. Oh, practice is the mother of all learning. I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll be exploring a lot of resources. These are just a few. You probably know Rick Hansen's work, Hardwiring Happiness, Mark Wallman, Neurowisdom, uh, Rick Hansen, Neurodharma, Bliss Brain by um, Dawson Church, Upward Spiral by Alex Korb. These are, all, these are all different books that talk about the same principle. The idea that we can consciously orchestrate our neurology in, in, in a way that serves our well-being. So I believe then that is, I think that's my last slide, but I can't quite tell because my computer's doing something funny. Anyhow, I'm just gonna say that that is our last, oh, there, there we are, <laughs> that's our last slide, so thank you. I'm gonna wrap things up at this point, turn things back over to Matt, and we'll take some time for Q&A, conversation, um, questions, et cetera. Can't we just stay in this blissful state for the next 10 minutes or so? We'll just hang, we'll just hang out here. Absolutely. Just be here. I mean, what a, this is wonderful. Thank you so much for just this, this space. I and mean, I can see, and you can see in the chat just how, how helpful even just this, this session has been. Uh, in these practices. If you think this is good, just, just sign up for the class, okay? Sign up for the class. We're, 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 we're going we're gonna to drink and immerse and go deep and practice. The, the most powerful thing though is not about the intellectual component. It's about having the opportunity to practice in a safe container over time. That's the real power. So by the time we're done, I guess I think it's five weeks long, ideally you'll have an experiential shift that you can then build on. You know, that's the real power of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I do have a few questions that have come to me. Uh, happy birthday, Sienna. Uh, happy birthday. <laughs> I don't know where that's coming from. Okay, okay, so Harry, here's my first question. And maybe it has to do with bypassing, maybe it has to do with resistance, or maybe it just has to do with honoring the path that we're on. So if, uh, if we are experiencing, let's just call it a dark night of the soul. Yeah. And for those familiar with uh, the work of St. John on the Cross and, and others, 
Um, this is a, a very intentional space that, that we find ourselves in. Uh, uh, a space of desolation is the, the word that St. John uses. Um, and this space, this journey, this desolation occurs because uh, for those who understand this, the framework of this, something is withdrawn. And that mm -hmm. withdrawing happens by, uh, by God, the universe, um, our greater power, however one names that. And so my question to you as we as we practice cultivate joy, I guess this is a bypassing question, or maybe it's just let me reframe that. How do we acknowledge or how do we acknowledge that? I guess I'll call it relationship with that greater power without, you know, saying like, I don't like this state. I'm gonna go and be joyful over here for a while. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, and you know, maybe maybe joy is not quite the right word. It's um it's about I would say that, so I went through, as you know, because you were my spirit, we did some spiritual direction during some really dark times for me, right? You know, and I would say this comes down to choice. I keep coming back to Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, when he's in a concentration camp and he notices that there were some people who capitulated to despair so completely they just basically died before they died. And there were other people who, would share their one bowl of fish head soup with the person next to them who was suffering, right? And there was somebody else in the concentration camp who had lost all of their relatives. And instead of capitulating into that despair, they would go and comfort somebody else who just found out that they lost a relative, right? So I think it's not about bypassing or avoiding, it's in the moment recognizing that in this moment, I have the one thing that's not taken away from me is agency. And in this moment, will I choose to savor this grape that I'm tasting? Will I choose to savor the beauty of the sunset, even though I feel like crap and I feel like God has abandoned me? Will I choose to savor my friendship with Matt, even though I feel empty in this moment? Right, so it's about, and cultivating the qualities, it doesn't, and this is the other thing. The idea of cultivation is that you can train your neurology to expand when you want to contract. That's really what it's about. As opposed to capitulating to the, to the contraction, wallowing in it, getting stuck in it. You follow me? Yeah. And again, these there's no black or white. These are subtle distinctions, you know? Um, but what I've discovered, and I'll, I'll tell the story in the class about my, my, my bringer of joy epiphany that happened in the very darkest moment of my caregiving. I had an experience shortly after my mother became really ill. And I won't go into the details, but she became very, very ill. And it looked like she wasn't going to get better. And I had just been thrust into this role of family caregiver. I was giving up my career. I was giving up so much of my life to take care of my mother as an only child, as an, her only son. And I took a walk one day, one evening, and I basically had a fight with God. I said, God, I, I can't take this. I cannot do it. I can't, I don't, I don't have it in me. But I also trust, give me, give me some guidance. And the message that came with me to me with stunning clarity 
I don't know if you've ever gotten an, air, an answer to a prayer that, got, that, that pissed you off, right? You know, it's like, well, you know, I really, I was asking for guidance, but I really don't like that answer, right? But, but I knew, I knew in my gut, heart, and soul that that was it. And the message to me was become a bringer of joy. I could, I did not understand that at the moment. I, it didn't make any sense. It, it took, it, it, it stripped me to my very core because I could not see a way forward, but I'd gotten this intuition, this grace, this guidance. And so I, I started working on consciously cultivating the experience of joy. Fast forward nine years, here I am. In the face of on the other side of caregiving, on the other side of long COVID, on the other side of all sorts of things, having more access to the experience of joyful expansion than I ever thought I would back then at age 54. All as a result of the answer to a prayer that I rebelled against at first, but eventually surrendered to in the midst of a dark night. So all I can say is paradox, Matt. I got no answers. Uh, no, you do. I hear your witness is your answer. And yeah. you know what I hear, you know, you use the word expansiveness, like choosing expansiveness, even in even in those sorrows and those darknesses, that it, it is a it's always a leap of faith to say, like, there is more than just this. There is exactly experiencing here in the moment. Yeah, I mean, what I've discovered also, because, because I've spent now probably hundreds of hours, if not more, consciously cultivating the experience of joy and presence and compassion, whatever, I find that when I feel crappy, I don't stay there as long. Even if I don't feel a sense of connection with the source, I can find a moment of appreciation or awe or service or connection that, yeah, and it's, 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 it's all, I, yeah, it's all paradoxical because there is a quality of joyful presence in the midst of despair. There's a quality of joyful presence in the, in the midst of witnessing the world burn. There's a quality of joyful presence in the midst of being on your knees, on the ground, prostrate, you know, saying, oh my God, I don't know if I can take another minute, you know. But what I know is cultivating the state seems to transform how I experience even those moments. That's all I got. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Anything else? Any questions from the folks? We've got, do we have a little bit more time or? Well, we just have one minute left. So I, okay. you say you have nothing left. I don't want to, I don't want to burn you out, but if you have time for one more question, is that all right? Of course. Okay. So uh, I would say based on the chat, people are pretty uh, intrigued by the, uh, the sense of neuroplasticity, neuroscience, and the way that you are integrating this into spiritual practice, right? You don't see, you don't see the science as separate. Maybe I'll just leave that oh. as a terrain for you to explore. I think that is the best, the most profound miracle. It's the most, I think it's the most profound evidence of spiritual reality that the, okay, so I don't know what I am. I don't know what you are. All I know is there's something inside me that's seeing through these eyes and talking, you know, having this experience. And, 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 the, and so, but who I am, what who we all are is this invisible, intangible, ineffable something, right? We, if we, we have a spiritual practice, we, we call it spiritual or essence or whatever. 
the fact that that invisible intangible something can transform, create, re-sculpt the physical tangible structure of our neurology, I think is the fundamental miracle that the invisible I, whatever I am, can make a choice to focus my searchlight of attention on joy or on rehearsing a speech or a piece of music. And then that catalyzes a physical transformation in the physical structure and function of my neurology. That to me is the miracle of the invisible becoming visible, the intangible becoming tangible, the thought becoming the thing. You know, so I, I think the, for me, understanding proactive, neuro, proactive neuroplasticity helps me understand how we are as human beings, are conscious co-creators of our experience. Not creating your own new, new reality, new age crap, right? But consciously creating through your state of being. And if we can, if we can, if we can grab hold with our agency and recognize that, Viktor Frankl, every moment I have capacity to choose where the focus of my attention goes. And the more I focus my attention in one area, the more I become resonant with that which I'm focusing on. Well, that's a, that's a perfect place, I think, to close here. Thank you for, thank you for answering those questions and thank you for, for guiding us here. I mean, even just in this hour, I feel transformed. Not just I don't just feel like better inside, but I feel somehow different as a spiritual companion. Like I oh feel my God, that makes, I'm so grateful, Matt. That's wonderful. I'm more equipped, yeah. And, and I see in the chat that others are, are really just great. Love you back, Ina. Thank you. <laughs> so I put it in the chat a bunch of times. We we start next week on the fifth. Uh, five sessions with Harry. Uh, we'll just we'll do more of these practices. We'll go deeper into these practices. You'll have video and audio. We'll have breakout groups. You'll get to ask Harry your questions. Have conversations with us. Uh, come join us. And thank you for being here today. And uh, we'll post the recording of this too, so you'll have access to it. You can watch it later. Um, Harry, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, my friend and brother. I look forward to seeing all of you next, or whoever wants to show up next week. So tell your friends, bring your friends, bring your kids, bring your grandkids, bring your uncle, you know, bring the stranger down the street, bring your directees, whatever. It's good for everybody. It's good for everybody. Well, that's well said. Um, thanks everybody for being here. We'll see you soon. Uh, and uh, blessings. Blessings, bye-bye. Bye. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your... Thank you for listening. Or even write us a review. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. 
Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.